Scott East founded his company M Sites back in 2003, really doing consulting, then added kind of a platform plus professional services bent to it in 2004 when they started to obviously increase revenue at that point to about $150,000. 2016 did about $3.21 million. Last month, it did about $264,000 on track to do $4.1 million bucks here in 2017. Less than 5% annual churn, serving about 20 clients. So definitely high ACVs and low volume. The ACV value there is about 250 grand, spending only about 10% of that to acquire the customer. So healthy unit economics with their team of 35. Again, as they help folks understand and better organize their data so that marketing data truly becomes insights. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Scott East. He founded his company, M Sites, in 2004 to help marketers make better decisions with better data and reporting. His experience includes global ad and digital agencies, a Fortune 20 telecom, and AOL prior to founding M Sites. He understands how to engage marketers, having been one of his 20 plus year career. His new book, The Cuttlefish Marketer The Five Essential Traits of a Modern Marketer, focuses on helping marketers transform themselves into modern marketing leaders. Scott, are you ready to take us to the top i am i just wish you wouldn't have emphasized the 20 plus years of experience <laughs> we can't tell we can't tell let me so let me ask you a question you're you're building m sites i assume it's doing well why on earth write a book like it takes so much time you don't make money it's no fun uh it was you know it was a bucket list item and it was one of those things that i felt passionate about i just um you know in 20 plus years of marketing it's just amazing how much it's changed even over the last five years and over drinks, I was talking with some friends about just how different it would be interviewing and getting into a marketing position now. And that kind of evolved into a book. Huh, interesting. Now, did you self-publish or have you go ahead and, and teamed up with a publisher? No, I have a publisher. It's Advantage Media. It's a friend of mine, Adam Whitty, who owns the, owns the company. And uh, man, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a labor of love. Um, sometimes more labor than love, but it was definitely a great experience. What's their model? I think he's the one that has partnered with Forbes on their platform. Are you going through that platform? Uh, not yet. I, I'm just, uh, this is the first one out of the gate, so it's, I'm a little bit of a newbie. Uh, but I definitely, I have friends that are on it and uh, with the Forbes relationship. And from what I understand, it's, it's been uh, it's been really rocking for them. So it's worked well. The Forbes kind of channels, distribution channel for book sales has worked for them. Yeah, definitely. And Interesting. Adam's a great, Adam's a great guy and Advantage is a, is a great company to partner with. Now, have you, uh, is it already live? Can, can my audience go buy it now on Amazon or what? Uh, they can, yeah. It's available on Amazon. It's also available um, uh, uh, via Apple, and um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And what? How many copies have you sold so far? And when was launch date? 
God, you know, I don't even know. I think I've given away more copies than I've sold, <laughs> but um, as, because I really use it more as a business development tool. I think the only person that really bought one so far maybe my mom and my dad, and I, I forced them to buy it. But uh, no, it's, it's. I think we've sold a couple hundred copies, and um, I'm not really advertising it that much. But it's. Uh, I mean, it's been it's been a really good experience. How long generally just did it take you? Would you say months wise to write it? Oh God, you know, it's kind of a funny question. Um, it, from beginning to end, it was about a year and a half. Um, but um, I worked on it for about six months, shelved it because I didn't like the original concept. And then I made the mistake of telling my executive coach that I wish I would have done it last year. And that's a big mistake. You never tell your coach that you wish you would have done something and didn't do it because then he was asking me every week. So yeah. once we put it, once we, once I had the the, the the revised concept and put it in high gear, it took about maybe about 10, 10 solid months of work from there. All right, let's shift now to M sites. You're really using this obviously as a, as a glorified business card. So, I, and I giggled in the pre-interview. What did you say about studying? Uh, I, I think the last time I studied this hard, I think it was for a final at, uh, at business school at Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive in. What does M sites do, and what's your model? How do you make money? Yeah, so um, Insights, what we do is we provide data management and performance reporting services for large marketing departments. Um, really where our specialty is, is helping collect and then transform data into what we call analysis-ready data sets. Um, the primary model, it's a SaaS model, but I'm, I'm going to bring in the, the really dirty word of, of professional services, which I know a lot of SaaS companies don't like talking about, but although we embrace it. But the way we make money is that we charge based upon the amount of data that we're integrating. And um, be careful, I, I don't want you to turn the interview off, but we give away licenses for free in our platform. Okay, and, and why do you do that? You know, I, I, I just, um, I'm just a firm believer that really where our value is, is being able to bring in data all into one place. And to me, the license model for that type of, of system just really doesn't make sense because it really hurts the value proposition. I want as many people as possible inside the enterprise using our reporting for decision making because it really drives better value for what they're paying us to do. And it also drives the interest in bringing in a lot more data, which is really how we make money. So, so are you, I mean, normalize that for me. Are you do, literally charging like a tenth of a cent per API call? Like how do you charge based off the data? It's literally based upon rows that we're bringing in. So we bring in rows via API, uh, push to FTP, their FTP via email. And so all this data that we're bringing in, it's based upon the volume that we're integrating into the system. And is it literally like 10 cents a row? I mean, is there a number per row or do you do like bulk deals or something like that? It, it's bulk deals. So it's based upon a volume over the course of a year. Ah. And then what, what we do is we have that volume then relates to an annual platform license that we then invoice equally each month. Okay, now I wanna get it understanding of kind of how balanced you are in terms of true SaaS versus professional services. So last year, 2016, what percent of your revenue was true monthly recurring on a cash basis versus professional service one-time stuff? Okay, so that's an interesting, the way that you use one-time is an interesting interesting classification because for RPS, it's actually all recurring. What does PS mean? Uh, professional services, I'm ah, sorry. Okay, okay. So for RPS, it's actually all recurring. So imagine like a large enterprise, what they're doing is they're buying the race car, they're buying the driver, and they're buying the pick crew. Okay. And then what we do is we take that as an annual fee and then break it down by month um, and have it and invoice it on a monthly basis. So we have recurring platform um, license, which is about 50% of our overall revenue. And then we also have recurring PS revenue, which is the balance of the 50%. So why do you call them separate things? Is it just because the margin on the, on the professional service stuff is so much lower because it requires human touch? 
No, I, I think I think that one of the challenges is is that if we if we sold everything together into into one large um, large number, it's very hard for large enterprise to be able to compare that against pure SaaS or pure software sales. And and I think it's I think it for me and my background and having worked for a large enterprise like GTE and AOL, I just for me it's 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 extremely annoying then to have to spin up separate SOWs for professional services. So the way that I really um, uh, the way that I pitch it is that we have a platform, and then if you want to buy the pit crew and the driver, we can do that. We'll bundle it together into one SOW and then invoice it equally each month. Got it, guys. A, a SOW or SOW statement of work. So, uh, Scott, break this down for me. I mean, what's the average customer paying you per year? Um, it's um, our average revenue is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars per uh, per client, and that actually we have clients that are on the lower scale paying thirty thousand a year, and we have clients that are paying us over over a million a year. So there's a there's a pretty big range, but I, I think kind of the key net takeaway is that our deals are at least a quarter of a million to half a million dollars a year. And what's your team size look like? And then my follow up question to that is how many of them are inside sales or sales focused? Yeah, so we've got 35 people, about a third is in development, a third is in biz dev and ops, and then a third is what we call client engagement, which is account management. Um, so we-, we And sales, or yeah, is that BD? Uh, BD. So there's, okay. there's, in sales, there's really only two people that do uh, BD. And a lot of that's my role. And I could, I could talk a whole session just specifically on that one alone. What's the, I'll ask one question on that. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done to acquire a customer? There was one- <laughs> Be careful. No, there's um, to acquire a customer. Um, there was one um, one opportunity that we had where a client uh, sent us over some sample data, and it was a large cable company. And they said that they wanted to run the stats on selling uh, uh, movies. And so um, I took the data, just forwarded it directly over to a client engagement person, and said, "Hey, can you analyze this data and let me know what it looks like and how it's structured?" She called me back. She said, "Did you look at the data?" And I said, "No, I did not." So she sent it back to me, and, and basically what they were wanting us to do was analyze all the stats so they could use the stats that didn't do direct marketing. But when you look at the movie content, most of it was adult adult film. Uh, <laughs> do you think they knew that when they sent it over, or it was an accident? No, no, they knew exactly what it was. But what was interesting is they wanted to use it to be able to drive direct mail. So not that I was trying to get on some kind of, you know, high hat, you know, high horse or anything like that. But what I told them is like, I was like, man, I, I've had a lot of things show up in our platform, <laughs> like under titles and stuff, but I, I don't know about that. So what we did is we integrated the data and then we did a, a, a translation key on the back end so that they could see, we didn't send it back to them so they could take the structured data into their side and then use the, the translation key to see exactly what movie titles um, that it was about but that was um that was about an hour and a half conversation among the founders on whether or not we were going to take that engagement by so it's basically you still acquired the customer but you invented kind of a translation key to basically cover these adult movie titles in their data set yeah, it was, it, that was pretty interesting. I, I think it actually brought a bigger question about the types of clients that we were going to have. And they were an existing client, but it was a pretty good incremental for us at a pretty pivotal time back in 2008, 2009, when we were teetering. Yep. And so that's why, that's why we took it. So How it much were you teetering? Like when you say teetering, you mean like your bank was almost nothing or growth was flat or what was teetering mean? No, we, we saw, we, uh, I self-funded the company. And so for us, we were, it, it was um, teetering in the respect that we needed more money to be able to fund future future development. But being self-funded, we have to really manage a lot of our future growth and future future hiring off of current receivables. Mm -hmm. So that, that made it real tricky. And, you know, self-funded has, has been great. Um, it's a challenge. I always I always wish I was funded more around the 25th of the month um, when, when I had this <laughs> payroll. But, uh, but it's, been, it's been a good, it's been a good experience. What year did you launch the company? in. 
Officially, it was 2003, so I had a, a consulting engagement from Nextel when I left AOL, and that engagement was a, a huge failure failure because I couldn't get the numbers to work, and that evolved into the concept of M-Sites, and so then we reorganized the company from a consulting firm to M-Sites in 2004, but the official was June of 2003. And in, in let's just do 2004 revenue, basically your first full year revenue. Do you remember what that was? Oh man, it was like maybe a quarter of a million dollars. No, okay. no, no, not even, not even that much. Maybe one hundred fifty thousand. Okay, and then like I don't want to go every year, but let's fast forward to twenty ten. Um, you know, twenty ten. I actually don't remember it. Um, I can tell you that back in two thousand thirteen, we've had the last four years have been pretty interesting. We've kind of went up, we went down, we went back, up, back up. So we've been hovering around anywhere between three to three and a half the last couple of years. And this year, we're projected to do anywhere between four point one to four point five. And what did you do last year? Uh, last year was three point two one, and that was I kind of I kind of jokingly called that the Dickens. You year. have done your research, by the way. Three point two one. That's good yeah. stuff. But that was the Dickens year, and I, the Dickens year means that it was the best of times and the, it was the worst of times. So we had a dip over the prior year. Um, I'm not going to call it a pivot, but we had a dip. But we actually were able to cover about a million dollars of new business from a couple pieces of business that um, transitioned out because of, 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 di of different reasons. But Interesting. We, we, really, we don't really lose clients that often, so that was kind of a strange year. What is um, your churn, and like, how many clients do you have total today? I mean, it's less than 20 clients. Okay. And we, and a lot of times what we do is we, because we're a large enterprise, we may have pockets, but it's uh, but it ends up being you know less than 20. But on churn, we maybe lose a client a year, if that much. Okay, so but less than 5% annually. Yeah, but just to give you some context, our original client, it's a large mobile carrier in uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Uh -huh. they've, been a, they've been a client since day one. They've been a client for over 14 years. Wow. We have another German software company. It's been a client for over eight years. So when a client works with us, they stay with us. They stick. They stick. It's because they love your shirts. That's why. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, I that was another thing. I had to get some wardrobe. You have some style. Let me tell you, I'm impressed. You have some style points on this show. <laughs> how much? How much? Now you mentioned bootstrapped earlier. Are you still bootstrapped, or have you raised capital? No, I still haven't raised capital. That's you know? great. It's been, um, you know, again, it that that. It, it's interesting. I, um, I, I'm 51% excited about it and 49% wish that I would have done it. <laughs> That's funny. Now, let me ask you a question. You have an interesting blend between kind of professional services that I imagine are higher touch, i.e. the pit crew versus true passive SaaS revenue. What is your blended gross margin? So both of the lines of business together, I assume you're below 85%, which is what a typical SaaS company would see. Yeah, so I mean, generally speaking, on the platform side, we have an 80 plus percent gross margin on platform. Yep. And then on professional services, we're 70 percent gross. Oh, that's not so low. No, it's actually pretty good. And one of the one of the things that allows us to be able to drive good blended gross margin is that we've got four offices. So we've got an office in Monterey, Mexico, which is where we do development and also do operations and some client support for Latin America. We've got an office in Charlotte. We've got an office in Geneva, Switzerland for EMEA, and we've got an office in Singapore. So even though we're a super small company, I've got to manage three currencies. And, and so we, we use the Forex to a big advantage to be able to kind of overstaff, but uh, also be able to, to kind of maximize gross margin as well. That's interesting. And so we can get a sense of where you are kind of today, halfway through 2017. What was total revenue last month? Uh, last month, I mean, we, we were running about about three and a half million for ARR as of last month. Okay, got it. So I can just take basically, you know, 88,000 uh, $88, bucks and multiply by three. So you guys are about 264. That sounds about right. Yeah. And then when, what are you spending? It sounds like you kind of have customers who stick with them, but what are you spending to acquire new customers? 
Yeah, so CAC, this is the one that I probably spent the most time on last night trying to figure out how I was going to answer that. You know, our CAC, you know, it depends. You know, our CAC, when we're, when we're looking at kind of um, lower price point clients, our CAC can be anywhere between $1,000 to $5,000 for acquisition for a lower end client. But when you start getting up to enterprise, I mean, it can get $25,000 on the CAC. And so people are like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But remember, average deal size is anywhere between two fifty dollars to five hundred. dollars Yeah, your payback period is like a month. That's really good. Yeah, so in that respect, it's, it's been it's been good. But you know, we really, even though I'm a marketer by trade, we really haven't done much marketing. The bulk of what we've done has been word of mouth, or we've had a client lead their company, go to the next company, and then call us the first month that they're there, saying, "Hey, we need insights." To Don't you love how that works? It's awesome, and I tell you, you know, as a, as a marketer, if I if I had to kind of name a big mistake that I've made over the last three years, was was not being more aggressive on the sales and marketing side, and resting too much on word of mouth. Interesting. It's been, it's been great, and it, and it's really good uh, because those clients stick with us. But when you look at our competitors that have been very aggressive in the marketplace, um, we haven't been as aggressive on the sales and marketing side as we, as we probably should have. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. Well, very cool, Scott. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite book is E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's a must read for any entrepreneur. It's, it's a perfect way to understand the difference between the person that owns the bakery versus the baker. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah, Jason Freed. Um, I'm a big Jason Freed fan. He's the guy that founded uh, Basecamp. I, I, 37 I like Signals. Philosophy. Yeah, I like his philosophy. Very simple, and his book rework is excellent as well. Number three, is, uh, is there a favorite online tool you have, like HostGator? Yeah, so my favorite tool is LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and I'm one of those guys that always go anonymous, and so I apologize for not showing you that I saw <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? My target's seven. You know, I try to get up by 5, 5.30 every, every morning, but my target's seven. And do you think you get that? Uh, I think about at least 80% of the time. I'm starting to go to bed earlier, and I think the glass of Pinot Noir probably helps a little bit on that, on that front, but uh, I try to target seven. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married 15 years, I'm at my wife at a business conference. I sat next to her and I, I told her that her coffee smelled good. And so we've been married ever since. Uh, I've got a daughter who's 12, who unfortunately has her mom's good looks and my stubbornness. And then a, <laughs> and, and then a son who's nine, who's got his mom's golf skills, but my, uh, my attention span. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, married with two kids. And Scott, how old are you? I'm 47. All right, take us home. Last question. Take us back 27 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? 
know, I think the biggest difference is that I wish I would have focused a lot more on what I call pull go goals versus push goals. I think a pull go goal is one of those things where you look a lot more in the future and then you pull yourself up rather than using push, which I think depends too much on your, uh, how energetic you are and focused you are. Interesting. I love that. So pull, focus on pull goals instead of push goals. Guys from Scott East founded his company M Sites back in 2003, really doing consulting, then added kind of a platform plus professional services bent to it in 2004 when they started to obviously increase revenue at that point to about $150,000. 2016 did about $3.21 million. Last month, it did about $264,000 on track to do $4.1 million bucks here in 2017. Less than 5% annual churn, serving about 20 clients. So definitely high ACVs and low volume. The ACV value there is about 250 grand, spending only about 10% of that to acquire the customer. So healthy unit economics with their team of 35. Again, as they help folks understand and better organize their data so that marketing data truly becomes insights. Scott, thank you for taking us to the top. Great. Love your podcast. Thanks, Nathan.